0: Failures, you know, they always come probably in the right moments of your life to challenge you, to really question if what you're doing, it's the right thing or not. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, we have one more
1: of our mentors of the 2021 mentoring program, and it's Valeria Fekin. She's an assistant curator at the Fiorucci Art Trust, and is also the co-founder of W21, an ongoing participatory art project focusing on post-feminism and intersectional practice in art, science, culture, and technology. She has independently curated a vast array of exhibitions and collaborated, amongst others, with artists such as Ellen Kamar, Juanes Escoval, Mona Hatoum, Susan Hiller, Lubaina Himid, and so many others. She's a fascinating person. She talks to us about finding her path in the art world, coming from a small town in Italy navigating her way through the uk art scene and much much more before i forget we have our applications for the mentoring scheme open until the 19th of april for any women or non-binary person who works in the creative industry or wants to work in the creative industries it's entirely free and it's totally remote so you can apply from anywhere in the world head over to our website for more information on that and everything else that we do. With that said, let's go to our conversation. So, first of all, Valeria, thank you so much for being here and for being part of the 2021 I Like Networking Mentoring Program.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me, Isabel. It's It's a pleasure. It's really exciting to have you.
1: And I want you to just start the podcast by quickly introducing yourself in your own words, so... Tell us where you are, where you're from, and what is it that you currently do for work?
0: Yes, so I'm an assistant curator currently at the Ferruccia Trust in London, which is this institution that is working with contemporary art and emerging artists in very unconventional places. Um, And on top of that, I'm a researcher, and especially my focus is on extended realities and digital practices. And I'm also I'm the founder of W21, Women 21st Century, which is a data feminist research platform, uh, which I founded two years ago with two PhD students from MIT, Delaney Joy Linden and Androni Saha.
1: I love that. And I want to get into every single bit of your very multi-pronged approach to the world. Before we go there, can you tell us what is your biggest career failure or worst job experience just a big fail like what we would say is a hashtag fail in the world just to break things up
0: that's a very interesting question um i think whenever we are in the present moment of a failure we feel it like you know it's the biggest challenges of of our lives Uh, But in a way, when you look back at it, it feels like it's something constructive. We all learn through trials and errors. And I think there is still such a big stigma about failures. All about our society. It's about achievements and overachievements. It feels like, you know, we need to run over the top of this mountain. And it's like a never ending marathon Um, for me. So in a way, I, I don't like to think about failures like it's something that defines you. It's... It's a learning experience. Um, I mean, we do have like micro failures every day in our life, um, even if we don't like to admit it, uh, even if we don't like to share it through social medias. Um, for me, I think I had many failures in my in my career, like moments that in which I felt, you know, to be completely self-doubting myself, to feel that I was not making the right choice. Um, one of that, for example, was when I um, started um, a business course as a university. For me, that you know was one of the biggest challenges probably of my life. Something that I perceived as a failure back then, but now I also understand that it's some. It was such a pivotal moment for my career because it really defined me. I'm always a little bit skeptical about people that feels or are so confident about themselves that don't admit that they had failures. Because it's about feelings that you can, I think, connect with people, with their inner emotions. Because you know what feeling in a bad situation really means. And I think that is a really important, especially in the art world, where we all are trying always, you know, to um, to shine and to prove ourselves. And to prove how important and smart we are with our ideas. Um, so for, Matt, for me, that moment was incredibly important my parents really wanted me to go into business and I think you know I was 17 and my idea were probably you know not the clearest Um, so I started you know to do one year of business school and that you know for me that was a massive failure because I remember trying to do analysis one like maths exams and I couldn't find a way to go out of it and yet, you know, I've always been loving the theoretical part. And I just felt that I was a complete failure, that I was not fitting. But my inspiration, I remember um, one day, it was December, just before one exam, and say, but I want to become an art critic. And I was exactly, you know, pointing out to a person, you know, very famous uh, mm, critic in in, in Italy, uh, Felipe D'Averio, who actually, you know, got a master um, in business. And so, you know, I was trying basically to convince myself that the decision I was making, they, they, they were the right one. And then, you know, in July, I had to have this very honest conversation with my parents to say, I'm sorry, but I'm changing faculty. I'm getting into the arts. And that was, you know, something that I felt to be a big failure because I felt to be overly judged and I had to prove myself but but now you know very the biggest fans uh, of what I do so failures you know they always come probably in the right moments of your life to challenge you to really question if what you're doing it's the right thing or not so I think you know I'd always you know want to consider failures from a positive aspect you know they teach you something and we should you know all embrace that in a different way I think I
1: love that, Valeria. Thank you so much. It's such a good answer. And 100%, that's kind of the point of this um, question. is one to tell people that everyone fails at multiple times, sometimes multiple times a day, as you said, and we can all learn from it. Exactly. And exactly, it's really hard to do it in the moment, but in hindsight, it does bring you those like learning processes. So I think it's about when you're failing, it's like, okay, this sucks right now, but I will eventually be able to look at this with a bit of distance and understand how I can you know, use this for my future growth. So thank you so much for sharing that experience with us. And you started talking about university and your, the beginning of your career. So can you just tell us when did you realize you actually wanted to work in the art world?
0: I think I knew that I wanted in the art world something involved with it because I back then I didn't even know what it was really. Um, I think it was when I was a kid, I think around... Four years old. I've always been such, you know, very creative um, kid. And I, in my my mom, for example, she was working for a very famous fashion brand, and she used to take home this spare parts of fabric that I would have used, you know, to dress up my Barbies. Or I remember that I was using the cocktail cabinet of my grandma to create uh, the sort of penthouse for my for my dolls. So for me, it has always been like a very inclusive and holistic approach to the arts, I think. But I, the, the real change was, I think, around seven, eight years old. Um, and I got, like, you know, quite interested to read um, philosophy books. And I was still, you know, from from my sister, and um, she was reading in high school. Um, and I got also, you know, so fascinated by astronomy, and I requested my parents to have a telescope. For me, that was a, a way to see that everything is connected. I was, you know, so mesmerized and so fascinated about, you know, looking at the stars, and then, you know, switching to a book about um Egyptian cultures and I always you know found there's you know life it's so interconnected like you know everything in culture is so interconnected if you look back in times so if you look about the future um I think for me it was to realize that proportions it's really what defines us like you know an aesthetic object has a function and that is talking about design so you can talk about it you know from an historical perspective. You can talk about it from a functional perspective. And that is really about the art. It's about, you know, this feeling that everything is life is so interconnected and you can't just not accept that. Um, so that for me, you know, has always been a very graduate move into the arts. There's never been like, you know, a specific point in which I really said I want to work in the arts. I think you know, for me, it's always been such an overwhelming. Feeling, I remember waking up at nights at 2 a.m. and just needing, you know, to, to draw something because I had, you know, this inspiration, something, you know, burning in my chest and I had to let it go. And then by growing up, I think I started, you know, to realize what I was good at. Um, I realized, you know, that I was good, very good, you know, studying art history to convey this passion about above yard. art. Um, But yes, I think, you know, the moment, you know, the university for me, something that was perceived as a struggle, it was an emotional growth, because in that moment, I really got committed to the idea of saying, this is really what I want to do. My family was not coming from um, an arts background. Um, My dad, um, he works um, as an engineer, so he always had a very structural mindset and um, so when I was growing up I always felt that I was a little bit like you know the black sheep I um, I grew up in this very little town in the um, Dolomites in Italy and so I, I always you know felt to be a little bit out of space but you know this sense of commitment to the arts of a sense of beauty and what beauty can actually you know brings to humanity I think was really what fostering my intention to work in the arts and to commit to that.
1: I love that. That's such a great approach to it all. And I it's it's really interesting how so many um, of the people that I've spoken to recently have in a way a similar experience of being the only ones in their family trying to find a path. And the path to the creative industries is never a clear-cut one. Especially if you have zero role models. So I appreciate that, and I imagine that it wasn't such an easy thing to figure out where to go next. So, that said, do you know what do you consider it to be like the one big opportunity that you received, or maybe the pivotal moment where you're like, okay, now I'm officially in the art world?
0: I think there were two moments. Um, so, on the second year when I switched to um, to arts history. Um, I remember that I wanted to get an internship in an auction house and I was actually the first student, like, you know, I was so committed to the idea that I wanted to work on the auction house. And actually that was also, you know, a terrible experience. Um, I had, you know, to, to move to Milan to be, it was my real first internship. So I didn't know what it meant, you know, to work in such a competitive environment. Um, but I had the opportunity. I, and I remember I wanted it so much and so deeply, Um, But I had, you know, basically to start even the papers for the university, which, you know, an amazing university, but, you know, it had to be recognized by this institution, by this um, very famous auction house to be partners. And I was the first student to do that in the entire university. And that for me was, you know, um, an incredible, I think, achievement, you know, like it really, you know, probably what started my career and also, you know, to prove that, yes, you have to ask for a thing. There's nothing you can't get if you're really committed to the idea. I think, you know, passion and being considerate also about what you can get and what you can't get, but being also humble in those achievements is really, you know, what makes you strong as also a strong candidate. I think, you know, the however, you know, the very first big opportunity actually came after, you know, what I thought was, you know, a failure. I remember applying for an internship in a gallery in Rome, Um, and I didn't get it, and I remember crying, getting desperate, you know, around the house of not getting that opportunity that, for me, you know, it felt to be, like, the biggest, and of course, you know, I was 22, so, you know, still uh, probably, you know, with a very uh, short, short feeling about what the artwork was, but straight after, um, I had the opportunity to become um, an intern at Lieruma Gallery in Milan, and that, for me, was a pivotal change. Like, Leah, she has been, you know, such an amazing mentor to me. Um, And in two months, they asked me, after, you know, started my internship, they asked me to go to Artissima, the fair. And I remember we were working at night with Leah trying to set up the booth. And we had a struggle with, with this neon piece by Alfredo Jar, which was saying vogliamo tutto, which basically means we want everything. And in the previous mock-up, you know, the work was displayed in a different um, location. And I remember, you know, just suggesting to Leah, perhaps we should put it on the front of the booth. We were just the first booth while you were entering the fair. And I say, we should put it there because that is going to create a motto for the entire fair. And she said, yes, let's try that. And actually, it was true. From the first day of that fair, it was incredible. Like in international press, they were all shooting this work by Alfredo Jar. It was basically everywhere. And that for me, you know, was felt, you know, such a big revelation say, okay, I had a good idea, but the big opportunity was her to listen to me and to give me a shot and to recognize that that was my work. And I think, you know, that is a uh, the role of mentors in general to give you shots, to give you the chances to prove yourself. And also, you know, sometimes even the failure. Uh, but, you know, if you don't try, you never know if you're going to succeed. Um, so, yes, I think, you know, that is the biggest first opportunity that I had. But it's something, you know, you know, as failures, we all have, you know, these small moments in which, you know, we have a sort of epiphany in which we realize that probably, you know, we're going through the right way and i remember having um, an interview recently and they asked me you know what it feels you know to being in the right place you know and i remember saying it's the opportunity to look yourself in the mirror and to recognize yourself and that i think you know it's a big opportunity that you have every day just to recognize yourself saying okay i'm committed to the idea and i'm trying to pursue that idea in the best possible way
1: Oh my god that's incredible
0: Valerie and I couldn't agree
1: with you more in terms of the men- the mentoring role I think um, it's funny I had a similar experience at approximately a similar age as you where I had this boss who gave me this huge shot and she said okay I'm going to put you in, t- in, in charge of this specific thing and I was definitely not prepared <laughs> as in I had never had that experience but she was she told me, "Well, you'll never, you'll never have the experience if you don't have it first. So you just have to do it. <laughs> no.
0: You have to do like, it, like, you, like fought, you know, yeah, you, yeah. If you fall, you fall, right? And I mean, one of the, the good things, you know, I remember all the time, Leah telling me, you know, she's an amazing dealer. You know, she created like, you know, the the art, the the art scene in Italy. You know, the Arte Povera. You know, she was one of the first person to be there, so she knows a lot." But I remember, you know, just after Artissima, having to take, you know, completely by myself a fly with her to go to New York and to go to the Armory show, to go to Marina Bramovich's birthdays. Like, you know, I was in one moment without, you know, having any real art experience, despite my first enter in the auction house. I had, you know, just to go, you know, to, to try to get appointment with museum directors And it's really, you know, it's really about that, like, you know, giving you the shot, giving you the tools to see, you know, how far you can get. Um, And I remember, you know, always like her telling me, I remember, you know, for example, you know, I was looking for a flat in New York, in Chelsea, and it was completely difficult to find one in that specific period. Um, And her, you know, constantly like, you know, challenging me (laughs) to find a better one with very specific characteristics. And then once I told her, um, Don't worry about that. You know, I can handle it. And then she answered, I don't worry about it. That's my work. And I think, you know, that was, you know, such a good way of telling me, yes, you know, if you are in charge of your work, it's not about being preoccupied of something. It's about occupying yourself with it. Like it's a, it's your job. So it's your job to understand where everything is going. That was, you know, major lessons. I think that phrase. You know, I can't translate, you know, properly in English, uh, but it, it really, you know, makes sense. Like, you know, you don't worry about things. You know, you act on a thing. I love that. That makes a lot of sense.
1: I love to afterwards. You can tell me how it is in Italian, and I can try to see. Yeah, it absolutely. Portuguese as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I love that you're giving us a lot of insight as well uh, of your career you know starting your career and curating I think a lot of uh, I tell this to a lot of people someone asked me the other day because I was a talent agent for a while um all oh, of the most glamorous part of my job and I told them I don't think there was ever a glamorous part of my job like it's very rare it was like maybe once a year that we could go to anything glamorous <laughs> I feel like glamour is very so overrated true, in the creative industries yeah. For most of us, unless you're a Hollywood star, you know, and even even still, when you're filming, when you, if you ever go to a film set, it's like those dingy trailers and the food, and you wait for hours, and it's like, I think the glamour
0: is a perce- a fake perception. It's a fake so, perception. Uh, I completely agree yeah. with it because, like you know, every time like people you know they think about the arts world, and I think you know this is also you know one of the challenges you know that I faced in the industry. Is that you just live over reflection most of the time. You work with very valuable items. You know, if you work in the creative industries, it's always about that. It's always about something that is bigger than you. And I think you know it's incredibly important to be able to recognize where you stand and where your practice stands, you know, where you finish and where your work starts. And that is something, you know, from especially, you know, now with social media, I think it's very complicated for people to understand what is real and what is not real. We live in the world, you know, the fake news and everyone, you know, it's always, you know, trying to promote themselves, which is completely fine. But in a way, you know, we're also giving the wrong perception of life. Life, it's about taking care of things like being a creator doesn't only mean to go to openings, I found that honestly quite exhausting also. It's uh, it's about, you know, working behind the scene. The work behind the scene, it's most of the time, is not that glamorous. It's about to deal with problems constantly and to have, you know, the sort of uh, solving solutions all the time, 24-7. You need to be available for your team and for your artists, for example, that you work with. Yeah, so, you know, glamorous, I think it's something completely overrated.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my experience as well. But I would love to know on that aspect, what is the one thing you love the most about your job? And this can be about either working at Fiorucci as an assistant creator or with W21. And what is something that you actually spend a lot of time doing that you didn't anticipate you would
0: when you were starting out, when you were studying art history? Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so in regards to a Fiorucci, I think... The thing I love the most is to work in such a small team that is, feels like a family. I had a, the opportunity to, to start working with Fiorucci Trust and I loved every single bit of it because I'm working with a visionary, like the founder, Nicoletta Firucci Russo. You know, she's an incredible mesonite for the arts. She is recognized internationally. She's an amazing collector. But most of it, she's one of the most humble person that I've ever met in my entire life. And she is a visionary in the sense that she explores the future. She's never scared about doing that. She's never scared about taking complicated decisions. And the she was exactly born out of this necessity to promote something that was not uh, standard, that was not just you know a typical art institution with a physical space. The way the future trust works is to try to create these events all over the world. We have this festival, which is called Vulcano Stravaganza. It's the yearly festival. It's a performative one. And for the years, we have been working with incredible artists from Harun Mirza to Camilla Rowe. And they gave the tools for the artists to go to this volcanic island, which is incredible. It feels like in a magnetic vortex of energies. For example, you know Nietzsche, he sets the Zarathustra there, like you know the ascension of the Zarathustra. It's an incredible place, and I think that for me, and it's one of the most incredible things is to work with people that are visioners, and especially you know to have a sort of yin and yang so Nicoleta, you know she's uh calm, you know she's uh you know she's into yoga practices about healing practices, and she really you know she conveys you know the sorts of meditative feelings around her. She feels like, you know, like a spring breeze, you know, to me. And then the director, um, Milova Faronato, he's an artist. He's, an inc- he's a genius. You know, there's nothing else we can say about him. The work he, the way he works, the flow of his works, he has, you know, these incredible visions, perhaps, you know, even at night, and then he has to text you. And maybe he wakes you up. But that's his creative process. He has this imaginary visions from a curatorial approach and he's able to create those so i think you know i'm very lucky to be working with both of them and to get to learn the best of both of them and to be able you know i feel myself as a sort of mercurial role you know always like in a sort of a flux and and trying you know to create balance but i think you know teams you know are really about that you know being able to with people that you have a great estimate you know, that you really value their opinion that you care it's not only about being you know recognizing their role from you know her you know from a hierarchy perspective it's really you know to have this strong connection which is about caring for the other person and felt to be cared so that for me you know it's the biggest thing now working in the Firucci. Um, and about W21, it's something, you know, that we started in 2019, and it was thanks to Katie Barrett, who is the curator at the Science Museum. Um, I was, um, you know, currently I was a student at the Cortal, Um curatorial program, and I was in, interning as a curatorial assistant in, in her department, and Katie was my mentor. And she gave me the opportunity to chair a panel the, about the scientific body. And on that occasion I have a chance to met Indrani who's a PhD student and she was conveying um, this um, she was yeah she was conveying this paper about the scientific body in um, Indian culture. And we had just the, ch- the opportunity to chat about you know what it feels to be a woman in the 21st century. What is the role of a curator, you know, in all of this? And from that, you know, W21 started. You know, we, ha- we felt that we had something that we should talk about. It was, you know, common interest. And that's from where it started. And the, you know, the most amazing thing about W21 is that we have a chance to talk with incredible people all the time, from scientists, from people that are uh, focusing on artificial intelligence uh, to artists that explore the liminal space of what the physicality are. It's, you know, with people that are questioning these questions all the time, but it's part of their practice. And I think, you know, for me, it's so important to question things. I don't like most of the time, you know, to provide answers. I always like, you know, to consider reality as something which is in a constant flux, you know, which is something... um, being shaped and being having the opportunity you know to to talk about people about all of this question to try to figure it out what is happening all together that is an amazing um, opportunity it just started so we don't know where it's gonna end but to have a vision together i think that is the most powerful things it gives you strength to keep going what you really um care about yeah and and i really
1: enjoy the fact that it sorry sorry Go for it. No, I don't no, know. going sorry. to say that I really appreciate, <laughs> I really appreciate the W21 It's born out of a collaboration, you know, between creators and others in the art world. And I feel like that really encapsulates a lot of what we are about as I like networking, which is all about collaboration, you know, over competition to get, to go forwards in the creative industry. Absolutely. So I think it's a really interesting project. But yes. Please tell us what is something you spent a lot of time doing that you didn't anticipate you would. If there is anything, I don't know.
0: Well, I just want you know to add something about collaboration. I think right now, and we can explore that, you know, later on, but I think collaboration is key, especially after you know this pandemic. I think you know it brought up the necessity for people to connect, to shift from this necessity of overachievement to something that it's about collaboration. A project—it's never about the success of a single person. It's always about the team working together. If you work well as a team, then you can achieve incredible goals. And that, for me, you know, it's a, it's very important, you know, to to work with people that understand that, you know, that are able to put, you know, their names. Secondly, you know, and just push the project first. I think that is incredibly important. And it's also, you know, feels what you're also doing with, I like networking, is to give, you know, this sense of community to people. We need community. We need healing practices um, in the current time to, you know, to see the future, to shape it. I think it's incredibly important and we all have to embrace it.
1: I love that, Valeria. Exactly. It's it's 100% that. And I understand, I also feel like that, Hopefully, with the you know with this pandemic, people will be more and more prone to forming and being willing to share and being part of these communities. So and And I think it's a, it's really about making actual spaces. I mean, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot to be said, of course. Like I'm a big I'm a big user of social media in many ways. You know, like LinkedIn or. Instagram and whatever, and our house, whatever. I'm really interested in using those tools to connect with others. But I don't think that's where a real community happens. I feel like it tends to happen in smaller spaces, you know, and in a more organized and somewhat private, um, I don't know, uh, manner in a way. It's true. But yeah, I think that is really, really key. And it's really, really important. That we do that, and our community can be really small. it can be just with your peers, and it will still yield great results. I I think.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's about considering social media as about as a tool, and not as the actual um, space for interaction. Like you know, it's a way to connect to people. You know, it's amazing. It's quickly. You know, you have a direct response, and I'm using that a lot as well. Um, but at the same time, it feels like, you know, we need to be able, you know, to go back to the sense of real connection to people, you know, Um, and I think, you know, networking is really about that, is to create a very meaningful connection with that person, which is built on mutual respect, so I think, you know, Social media, yeah. you know, they can be used to do that. You know, to connect with people that you really want, you know, to know more about them. It's, it's to know about the other person, to know what they're thinking, and what you can get out of it. I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual, but also, you know, it's it's a growth. Whenever you meet someone that is different from you and has different experience, it's a it's a way for you to understand what you can get, what you can incorporate, you know, of their way of approaching life. I think, you know, that's, for me, it's incredibly valuable to to connect with people, you know, from all over the world and to see their perspective on things.
1: That's, yeah, I love that, Valeria. Thanks for sharing it. I think it's exactly how I approach usually networking. But I think one thing that would be interesting to know from you is obviously, as you mentioned, you didn't come from an art world background. You switched, you started doing art history, which, of course, would give you, I guess, at least some colleagues who are interested in the art world. But I'm guessing that when you started out in the, let's say, work career mode, you did not have that many contacts to go out and reach out for. And I think that's what a lot of the like, networking community is at. That's the stage. They're like coming out or trying to get their first foot in. So how did you sort of approach creating those connections? Do you have any good networking tips or things that you would tell them or any tips that you would even give yourself when you first started out in the industry?
0: I would say to go straight. Um, it's, it's a very you know, direct approach. But that for, for me, it's how I started you know, working in the art industry to get the first internship was to have you know this incredible passion but I didn't have, you know, the tools or the people, you know, that could connect me to. So for me, it was really, you know, to send a straight up email saying, I really want to work for your institutions um, and to provide that very strong emotion, um, which, you know, comes secondly um, in terms, you know, of your skills. Of course, you know, when you're just starting, you you need to have experience. So um I think you know it's it's really about that. It's being straightforward and to give this very strong sense of passion. And it's don't feel ashamed of contacting people because I, I honestly, you know, I've always loved even to talk to people and to ask them, What do you think about this? What do you think about this opportunity? What do you think about this school? Do you think it's a great fit for me? Um and I think, you know, people, even strangers are willing to give you those um, opinions. And I love to do that as well. You know, whenever some students, they contact me about a specific course, about a specific um, way of approaching the arts, I'm always, you know, very happy to, to give that back. And because I know how much I, I struggle to, to do that. So I remember, for example, you know, last year I was giving a lecture at the university and I asked the students, Especially, I feel like you know in Italian culture there's this very strong sort of stigma that y- you can't ask, you can't ask for things. Either things you know they just drop from the ceilings, or and you feel, or or you either you know you feel entitled to get one. But the necessity you now of creating your own future is something that is really not part of our culture in a way. And I remember you know talking to the students and giving, assigning them with a task and saying to them, here's a portrait. I remember it was a work by Roberto Cuoghi, um, which was actually, you know, portraying Nicoletta Fiorucci and Emile Van Foronato, and I asked them, do this task. So if you're interested, send me by tomorrow 300 words about iconology. What do you think, you know, are the meanings about this work? How do you think, you know, the artist, you know, wanted to experiment or what he wanted, you know, to portray? And it was incredible because the day after I received like, a more, you know, longer emails than 200 words. And through that, I really seen that just from small tips, just from small opportunity, people, you know, they were willing to get it. And that was an incredible opportunity because then, you know, I also stay in touch with some of the students and they were asking me, you know, how do you think, you know, how did you get there? I think, you know, having those sorts of role models, it's it's important. You know, you always, you know, need to look at someone and get to know, you know, even like to study their CV. I always find, you know, incredibly, you know, important you know to study the biography of people, asking them, you know, what was your fear when you were a teenager? Why did you want, you know, the same question that you asked to me, I always felt, you know, it was good for me to ask to people that then became my mentors. And whenever, you know, you share your insecurities, I feel, but they can also, you know, see your motivation. And that is really, you know, I think the things that really click. Like a mentor really wants to recognize that that person has all the skills to succeed. But it's normal to have lots of fear. Um, And that's why, you know, mentors, (laughs) mentors, you know, we do have a role. We all have mentors in our life. And it's someone that just pushes us, like perhaps, you know, just gives us the right answer at the right moment and everything, you know, just clicked and fall in place. Yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, Valeria, I would like to ask you something. So I don't know if you know this. I know we've been talking about the mentoring scheme, obviously, which you're going to be a part of. Which I'm really excited about. So, if anyone is listening to this, the application is open on March 22nd. Uh, but we have a members community, which is for more sort of sustainable uh, peer-to-peer support and networking opportunities throughout the year. So, we have former mentees from the 2020 cohort. We have people who apply and get bursaries. We have people who pay for it. It's 850 a month and. It's, it's really growing to be a really lovely community. We have everyone helps one another. They ask questions and there's this feeling of collaboration across the sectors of the creative industry, which for me was always super important that I, that I was lucky when I moved to London. Um, so I asked them if they had questions for you. And so one of them has a really interesting question that I love to ask you
0: mm-hmm.
1: before we start wrapping up because I know we're on time. So Claire, who is a wonderful member, asked the following. So the pandemic has accelerated our digital growth. How do you anticipate this will play out in the landscape of digital
0: art? That is is a very interesting question, but it's something that doesn't go back only to the pandemic. I think the pandemic has exactly accelerated this shift. But it's, it's something, you know, that is, has already been there and we're just realizing it. We're living in the sort of immersive turn, which is the next visual culture turn after the visual turn, in which, you know, we were surrounded by images. If you think about social medias, Instagram, it's the word of images. Images, you know, they convey information, they convey messages. But now in the digital sphere, what we are perceiving is that we're shifting into the virtual world. The problem is that, you know, there is an incredible spectrum about what the virtual is. So we can go from augmented reality to extended realities, which is when you incorporate virtual realities to the real world. So you can have, for example, you know, Oliver Eliasson, he created... The series of works for acute art, which you know you could play with some of his um, um, with some of his motifs in the real space, that is augmented reality, and we work with that. You know every day. You know whenever you have a GIF on Instagram, or you know you play with filters, is exactly augmented reality, and we don't understand. You know how much is really incorporated in our daily life. And on the other extent, we have, for example, you know, Mozilla Hubs. We have these spaces which are completely virtual in which we navigate in. So we already live there, which is completely fascinating for me. But it also, you know, brought so many questions about what is happening to the body. How are we going to relate to this sort of virtual world, which feels to be something completely different in which we are applying perhaps, you know, some the same rules of a real 3D world. But, you know, it opens new questions about ethical approaches. You know, how do you behave in a virtual sphere? All of these questions are completely pertinent. And I think it's incredibly important to, 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 to focus on this. Virtuality, it's part of our daily life. We are immersed in something that is bigger than us. So I call it, for example the hypercube, which is a mathematical figure that was already brought up in 1928 by this um, French mathematician who was called Poincaré, And uh, for example, you know, Marcel Duchamp, he was completely aware of it. Um, And he created this exhibition in New York, which was called the Miles of String, which in a way, you know, refers also, you know, to the um, idea now of the quantum theory of, uh, you know, of, of, of the strings, like, you know, that we have this sort of parallel worlds and virtuality opens to that possibility. Um, Quantum computers, you know, for example, you know, um, they are becoming incredibly powerful. Artificial intelligence, it's based on our emotions. It's learning from the way we think, from from the way we behave as humans. So in a way, we're all already cybers. We're, you know, already humans with this sort of extended limbs that have different functions, which is, you know, technology. And at the same time, we're really living in a world that is bigger of only, you know, the um, three-dimensional space that we are always being able to conceive. It goes beyond that. The possibility, of you know, they're also quite uncanny. So I think it's also, for the future, it's important to understand what should be the limits within it and how we will have to approach it in a very um, constructive way.
1: Thank you so much for that answer, Valeria. It was really really rounded (laughs) and i think uh they will really benefit from it and also such an interesting topic i mean we could we could have a podcast just talking about that absolutely (laughs) um i i know we have cesarebia but so i want to ask you two final questions which are very practical okay
0: Mm -hmm.
1: very like pragmatic Mm -hmm. so this is one question we get a lot from our community, and so I try to ask as many people as possible because they have different strategies. So, if someone would apply today to be an intern with you and they didn't have experience, what is the thing that would make their application shine for you? Um, how would you go? I don't know. Do you have any tips for anyone who would like something like that?
0: I think it's about being humble, willing to learn, to show your interest to know about the institution you're applying for and also you know to show your insecurities to ask questions i think that is it's important it's key um just of course you know whenever you go for an interview and i i think i'll do that myself you know sometimes you try to overcompensate um your you know your anxiety to be you know overconfident but I think, you know, being able to connect with people, that is key, you know, to, to see if there is a connection that can be created. Um, and it's, of course, you know, we live in a, in a in a situation in which it's important to find a job. We live in a very precarious situation. So if you have a job, you're, you you should consider yourself complete, very lucky. But at the same time, I think that it's important to ask yourself whenever you're being interviewed, is can I work with that person who is on the other side of a table? Do I like that person? Do I like their approach? And I think it's something that, especially when you're applying for a job, you feel that you're not entitled about asking yourself, just because perhaps, you know, you really need a position, you really need money, you really need a salary. But I think it's important also to ask, do I fit? Do I not fit? Because perhaps, you know, the next opportunity might be better. And always, you know, if you are rejected, there, there is a way. There is, there is something. You know, I, I, have, you know, this very holistic approach, which I, I try, you know, to remember it myself all the time, which, you know, we uh, experience failures, and I think it's that, you know, I like to think, you know, that our destiny, you know, it's, it's already written in one way. So if, if something doesn't work out, is because, you know, something better, it's on the line. So try to be resilient with it. And also, you know, to ask yourself, it's really what you want, or is just, you know, the name and the position that you're really trying to get.
1: Amazing. Thanks so much, Valera. So we are coming to our final question. And that is one that I personally enjoy. And I feel like I do it just for myself. But that's my podcast. So it's fine. So can you give us recommendations for three things that you've been enjoying or that brought you joy, or that you really think everyone should know about? This can be You know, an artist, a book, a film, a TV show, a song, whatever you want.
0: Okay, so in terms of artist, I would certainly recommend Jakob Steensen. He's an incredible artist. He trained himself as a um, as a gamer developer, and then he moved into virtualities. and He's an incredible artist. Um, we're going to work with him um, in October as part of the um, Atropocene Campus, in uh, which is sponsored by the House de Culture in der Welt and the Max Planck Institute um, in Venice. Um, and he's an incredible artist because you know he reenacts and preenacts like future ecosystems. So what the future might like and he has a very strong um, connection with nature so you know the interlink between nature and technologies I think it's incredibly important he's one of those artists that are working with that. in terms of podcasts that I've loved listening to I would say open-ended design which was um, funded by Sahir Khan, and she has this um, incredible approach to design from a more resilient way. You know, what is the function about design in this current, you know, broken world? You know, how do you create a sort of rewilding towards, you know, system? So, and and that also connect to Design Emergency by um, Paula Antonelli, which I really loved. And then in terms of books i think you know during the pandemic i really loved to um you know to get lost myself within um like no fantasy books but in something that could really you know open up your mind and project you into another world and one of my favorite it's certainly the master and margarita by uh Bulgakov. and uh in terms of diet, I think it's something, you know, that I've been starting to put a lot of attention um, to it. And I think I started enjoying keto diet, which is, a, it's, a, it's quite funny because it's a, it's about, you know, you need to burn a fat, you know, in order to your mind, you know, to work. And it's something that applied to me, you know, so brilliantly. And I never thought, you know, that you can be, um, that nutrition, you know, they have such an amazing impact on your work. So being able, you know, to go, if you can, you know, towards organic food, to know what are the source of those food and trying, you know, to, for example, you know, to avoid sugar, sugar, you know, they can create anxiety. And I think we live in a word, which is creates a lot of anxiety. So trying, you know, to, to avoid that, I think it was one of the best learning experiences um, that I had through this year.
1: Amazing. Valeria, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a good conversation. I really appreciate your time. And I look forward to speaking to you a lot more. And I am very excited for all the mentors who will have a chance to work with you this year.
0: Um, Any final words of wisdom before we go? Um, I think not to try to fit in a specific box, especially if you want to have job into the curatorial uh, word in the arts. I think it feels that, you know, we need to apply ourselves to a specific structure, to a specific way of behaving, of dressing, of acting. And I think, you know, you're... Unicity, the way you are unique towards that, I think that is incredibly important to be honest with yourself every, every day. And it's a commitment and it's very difficult because everyone you're going to face a moment in which you're considering perhaps, you know, I should adapt myself to what people are expecting from me. But it's not the source of happiness. I think as a curator, finding what is really motivating you, what are your real interests, I think that is key to get a job in the industry. And also, you know, a way to survive.
1: I love that. Thanks so much, Valeria. Again, anyone who wants to work with Valeria this year, she's one of our mentors. So stay tuned to our website and our newsletter and everything else that we do. And thanks again, Valeria. And I hope to Thank see you. Thanks so you much, in Isabel. Person
0: sometime soon exactly (laughs) let's hope for that thank you so much again it was an incredible talking to you I'm glad you had some fun I had a lot of fun Um, thanks (laughs) again for doing
1: this thank you for listening to the Island Networking Podcast if you've enjoyed that conversation why not send it to a friend rate, review, or subscribe to our podcast because really that helps us a lot. We also have a membership scheme, a mentoring program, online events, digital resources, and much, much more. To get involved with us and figure out everything that we do, just head over to ilightnetworking.uk or find us on Instagram at ilightnetworking. We have more incredible guests coming up next week. So don't forget to tune in every Friday for the podcast. See you next time.